0: All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast, football edition. Got to clarify since we're doing both at the moment. Of course, you know myself, Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennelly. We've been uh, we've been busy, and I've been pre-recording stuff, so it's been a while. How you doing?
1: Oh, I am. Uh, I have a lot to do. <laughs> you are busy. Yes, I am, but uh, not too busy to to. You know, podcast every once in a great while.
0: Talk football in February? Of course not, right?
1: S- still committed to getting the folks through the off season.
0: We will make it. So, for those who want to know who we are, mwy. Check us out there. Apparently, some BYU fans, um, maybe Utah State fans, found an article that our guy Brian Swanson wrote about a month ago. picking up some picking up some steam about hey, why they leave the Mountain West. So, if you happen to stumble across that article and then click on our link to listen to us, stick around. We'll have some fun because. We talk nonsense. We will talk football February, March, April, May, June, twice a week during the season, maybe twice a week during draft season if stuff strikes our fancy. So any new listeners, welcome and give us a review. Dang it, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what platform you're listening on. I know that there's a way to review pretty much anywhere.
0: Yes, pretty much. And and for some reason, we have two iTunes links, so leave a review on either. I don't care. I don't know how that happened, go. but the show goes to two iTunes links, and there you go. So let us know. Tw- Twitter, all that fun stuff, um, MWC Wire. Uh, so let's get to it. Here's here's kind of our loosey-goosey plan a little bit. We've talked plenty of draft stuff. We'll talk maybe a couple seconds of that tonight because, yeah, I've talked with uh, Jonah Tolles. I've talked to Ryan McChrystal. Um, I've talked to um, I talked to somebody else. No, it's only two draft guys. Um, so if you want to know about Richard Penny, Josh Allen, there you go you get to hear about the New Mexico situation with, uh, Daniel Libet. So we've had a lot of stuff going on, but now it's just you and me talking next year because what else are we going to talk about? There's not a food bracket at the moment. Is there, can we fight about uh, food again?
1: Not that I've seen, although we could probably make one out of thin air and argue about it. If we get desperate,
0: I can say something right now. I'll say food, which people know we both like the, uh, Mexican food or tacos burritos. Um, Absolutely. I think we can both agree. Uh, wait, maybe I shouldn't say we both agree. I will say, I saw on Twitter, somebody mentioned about, like, give us a secret that you're embarrassed to say. Somebody's like, I've never had Chipotle, and I'm like, good man, good on you, you've never had it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially around here, is just overrated.
0: It's overrated anywhere, man. Yes. I'm just saying, it's like, like, well, I could say Taco Bell's better than that, but that might be pushing it. But I do like Taco Bell That, that might be
1: pushing it a little bit. I mean, I like Taco Bell, but yeah, Well there's two, two different things
0: they are very different so that's all the food talk we get tonight but all right let's get to it. let's talk um a quick NFL draft since we started at the top so have you um do you ever do you, how what's your confidence level in Mel Kuiper between um bald Mel Kuiper and see what his hair thinks Mel Kuiper really is with that top hat of hair he has
1: well I mean if you <laughs> <was> re- were <laughs> if you're referring to him doubling down most recently on Josh Allen as the number one overall pick I don't know, man.
0: Stats are for losers, and we have a T-shirt to prove it.
1: <laughs> well, did you uh, did you happen to note that? Um, I think it was earlier today. It was yesterday or earlier today. We're recording on Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. Brian Billick actually came out Ooh. and said that uh, you know the biggest mistake that the Ravens made when they were evaluating we're, Kyle Bowler.
0: I was going to say, just drafted Kyle Bowler in general.
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, but the biggest mistake in their evaluation was the same kind of argument that a lot of people are making for Josh Allen as as being a high draft pick, which is, you know, blaming the supporting cast. And I mean, I think that there's maybe some, you know, there's there's some truth to that. Like, I don't want to say it's completely false because obviously it wasn't, you know, Allen was never helped by the fact that, you know, the running game in particular fell off a lot and they had to you know wait half the season for their number one guy, James Price to come back. So I think there is an element of truth to that, but at some point, you know, a quarterback has to be able to rise above his competition. And when we, you know, we've talked at length about the fact that, you know, he struggled against, shall we say suspect defenses like Hawaii and, you know, stuff like that. So, you Still uh still a little skeptical of Mel's point of view there.
0: If you want to get a good breakdown, go to that one where I talked with the Bleach Reports Ryan McChrystal. He I put a link in there. He does a full people claimed I think it might be pinned on his Twitter account, Ryan underscore McChrystal. Um nope, he must have changed it recently. But he did through people trying to accuse some of trade picking um videos. He did you've looked through that, was there at least fifty tweets minimum? Oh about, yeah. About him. So it wasn't just picking one or two things here go through, he sees, like, there's some people point out, well, he's injured that game, it's like, well, he's not going to know when every player, like the Air Force game, that's a bad throw, people trying to do cover them, well, that's what he's injured, but he went through enough throws, he wasn't picking just five or six from one game, he went through dozens, he pointed out good throws, bad throws, if you find his article, or, um, go back, like I say, if you go back to that podcast, listen to it, great, if not, I put the link in there to that Twitter feed, go read through it, it's a good minimum of 50 tweets, and it's it points out great stuff and bad stuff but then also I'll say like the surrounding cast like you mentioned bowler and what people are saying about Allen, I will go back to this if it was supporting cast this 2016 year would it should have been way better cuz he had four NFL players on the offensive side of the ball so I I can, I always go back to that because if it's a talent issue how is he be technically better this year than last year so mm-hmm. but he has a number one but that that's a good thing like people say oh it's just talent issue but then did you see the beef between smart football and some random scout today?
1: I did not. I, I haven't glanced, really been on Twitter all day.
0: I glanced at it a little bit ago because you, Chris Brown, who I think does an amazing job and good stuff, was trying to get called out by some guy because there was a Brian Pullian thing. The, um, he used to be the Colts GM. Talking about Lamar Jackson should be wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Don't listen to that guy. So, no, he's a good GM and on ESPN because, well, he knew Peyton Manning. He made the right coin flip call picking Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf. Or – I don't even know if he made that pick, but he's on the team at that point, or coaching, or GM,ing, or whatever. But there is some guy pointing out, like the completion percentage. Not the uh, the reason I bring up all this connecting because some guys throwing shade at Chris Brown saying you've done nothing. I've done this for thirty plus years, and one thing that was uh, mentioned about his name is Greg Gabriel. So I've seen him on Twitter he has some weird takes. He's not a fan of Josh Allen because completion percentage. That's fine, but then he goes on to say, like he's like you can't have it both ways because Lamar Jackson's completion percentage wasn't great. And he says, oh, he'll be great when he does this in NFL. It's like, well, it's just kind of you – can't, you can't have them both ways. That's my point. If you're throwing 56%, I know offenses are different in talent, but you can't say one guy's going to be great because he played in offense A compared to offense B, but their stats are nearly the same and completed the ball because I know Allen went down the field a bit more, so that can make it more difficult. But I don't know. It's just – go read that little – Chris, Chris Brown, Smart Football on Twitter. It's kind of interesting them going back and forth because he's written multiple books about it. And nearly anybody you go about talking with him, or if you ever heard him, he knows what he's talking about. And so it's like, yeah, don't listen Brian pulling about whatever, Lamar Jackson. He's should be a good quarterback. But to Allen, it's like they both complete about 57% of the passes and the team will take them number one or top ten. But I don't know. It's, that, well, was I mean, a weird, that was weird. I don't know what I'm doing uh, here.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, yes, you should go buy Chris Brown's books. If you want to be a more enlightened football fan, you have to go buy his books. Yes. But, I mean, maybe we should just mention it now. I mean, I'd love to get, you know, an expert pair of eyes. But, like, as we're talking, as as I'm listening to you talk, I, I went to draftbreakdown.com. And I just feel like at a minimum, you know, if if you're skeptical of what one side or the other you know side of the argument is trying to make you know go look at the video for yourself you know it's all there at draft breakdown and so like right now i've been watching the colorado state preview or review and you know on on one play you could see him you know making a 20 yard strike like perfect and then on the next play you can see him throwing a you know a swing pass five yards over the running back's head so i mean you know there's a there's an element of truth, I think to both sides of the argument and I think that you know I th- you know I, I wish I were more well trained <laughs> than, than than I actually am like I don't quote unquote watch the tape like basically so who people should we, do for a living
0: Who should we get on that does it because I've had a few guys who people like oh this guy's just does it for some random website. Who's- I would like
1: to, I would love to get Doug Ferrar. Because that's a guy who, you know, I believe he works for NFL One Thousand. I think he's over at Bleacher Report. Yes, before. I, I forget actually. Exactly where Peter.
0: I possibly may have his phone number. I'll look and see.
1: I would love to know what his opinion is. You know, having looked at the tape, because that's a guy that I've trusted for a long time.
0: Okay, there's a lot of people we can get out. Like Daniel Jeremiah does a good job. There's a few people who I could have contacts to who knows from when I used to do sports radio stuff. But I I might have Doug's info. But if you want him on, we'll do our best to because I want as many people as possible because it's just depends. Like everybody I spoke with like um even when I spoke to Jordan Tolls, we talked mostly with Shard Penny. He thinks like Josh Allen's like a third or fourth round pick because of not necessarily um where he'll be picked, but talent wise. But we all know quarterbacks get overreached anyway. So if your quarterback gets taken at pick number 15 to the Cardinals, they need a quarterback. That doesn't mean he's like, well, he technically is a first-round pick, but it's the most important position. So that's why you'll see, like, Lamar Jackson moving up. You'll see maybe a few other quarterbacks move up higher than where you think they should be drafted. Like, remember, Gary Grayson, Colorado State, a few years ago, was supposed to be the uh, next guy after Drew Brees, a third-rounder. He's Was he with the Bears or practice squad or something? Mm-hmm. So it's like quarterbacks get lifted up. So when the guy goes, oh, he's a third round talent, but he does clarify, he'll probably be a first round pick because it's a quarterback in the media league. You want the next great quarterback. So I do want to find a guy who does this all the time. Maybe one of the guys from pro football focus, they look at more advanced stuff, which is different than actually watching the game to a degree. It's just a, like we always say a piece of the puzzle, but I, it's, um, it's, what is it? What is there to say? It's like, he's going to be picked high. Like also if it's a talent thing, how much talent is on Cleveland? You he chuck it to jo- Josh Gordon every time?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> so that's my point like Well Corey assuming Corey Coleman is healthy. Yeah, he, him could, too. he could make something happen. I mean let's let's I mean we maybe we could leave it at this and then move on as far as Alan is concerned and, until we inevitably talk about him again. Hey, next week. I guarantee you there's no other quarterback in this year's draft class that makes a fifteen yard out look as easy as he does and makes a swing <laughs> pass look as hard as he does. I think that says everything you have to say because I'm still watching this Colorado State review and I'm seeing a lot of the same things you can see the plays that make you go wow and then you see the plays that where you just like shake your head
0: did you see him today I think it's from his QB coach or whoever he's working out with in California he pulled a Jamarcus Russell with Dante Culpepper throwing it off his knees like 50 plus yards
1: I did and I saw someone joke that it was supposed to be a five yard slant
0: (laughs) that's going to my quick post I'm going to do it just supposed to be this play that's a good one that is a high quality Twitter joke there but the other surprise, I guess, I guess some people aren't surprised, but let's move on to the guy apparently we hate, um, the Defensive Player of the Year in the Mountain Conference from last year.
1: Well, not anymore. We, we, we've seen the error of our ways.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, Leighton Van Der and in same Kuiper draft, and we'll talk about other drafts, but his is, I think, the most recent and well-known, obviously, people know who he is. He has a pick together to, uh, was it the Pittsburgh Steelers? Is that correct? The, uh, I feel
1: like that. I feel like if he went to Pittsburgh, he would be like every other linebacker that they draft, and he'd just be like a Pro Bowler within three years, and then just be, you know, a, a good, great linebacker for the next decade.
0: It's like what Porter does. Who's now with the was he get Wade or do not Porter, but uh, yeah, was it Joey Porter, James Harris, that type of guy?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I I didn't watch that much NFL football this year. I kind of wish I, I knew whether off the top of my head, whether Vander Esch played the same position as Ryan Shazier. But I mean, I know that Shazier's, you know, was very highly. Oh, okay. actually I went to behind the steel curtain over at SB Nation. He says, uh, you know, inside linebackers an obvious need who will have to replace Ryan Shazier. So there you go.
0: And Vander Esch also played, he didn't really play one. Well, I guess he did play the, I think it's somebody else to get to as mixed up, but he's just a guy that just makes plays And every, like remember reading up on him coming out of like, Recently, go like, oh, high school, he was had to gain like 40, 50 pounds. Didn't really play until a couple years in college. He always seems to get better. And then a couple of guys like Mato Press, and oh, he could be a first round pick. I've seen him second or third, but this is the I think there's another mock draft that had him in the first round as well. So he it'd be twenty eight to Pittsburgh, and yeah, it looks like um, yeah, replace uh, obvious repl- need for Shazier. So
1: I mean, if if he's like ninety percent of Bobby keekley there you go he's, he's a pro bowl caliber player in that system. Probably.
0: Let me ask you this with, um, I think, I think he could be a first rounder. It's all, it's also team needs. So it's like, it's just in linebacker two is a deep position as well. There's some people are saying they're surprised. He was taken that high, not because of talent, because of how great the linebacker class is expected to be for this, uh, mm-hmm. this year's draft. So it's also like, if you're a first rounder, sort of it, not luck, but it's also need. And also how good you are. And Pittsburgh has a need and he's a pretty good guy. But let me ask you this question because we have a couple other guys kind of shooting up the draft boards a bit. you got uh, Michael Gallup, CSU wideout, Rashard mm-hmm. Penny, who, like people are saying, like a top five running back, maybe top three. I think uh, the guy spoke with Jonah Tolles, had him four. He's over at NDTScouting.com, so we can go read his stuff there. Bill Kiper had a conference call, put him at third. There could be a small chance. Like those two guys, i seen Gallup maybe being a first-round pick. I've seen Penny getting very close. If you were to put now end of February – over under, how many first round picks will it be? Come in um, two months. From Ooh, the okay.
1: I feel like this.
0: Is what is one and a half too too risky? You just go under.
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean, if we're talking one and a half, I would go over because I think there's going to be at least two. Okay. To me, the question is whether you know someone like Gallup or Penny is going to sneak into the back of the first round. I think that. Gallup is probably a little more likely if only because of the way that running backs have generally been drafted the last few years Mm -hmm. you know I think you know there's no shame in slipping to the second round and then you know becoming a rookie of the year like Kareem Hunt did you know what I mean third rounder yeah I feel like the best bets at present are are definitely Allen and Vander Esch and then I would put Gallup I mean if it were me I would put it at like 60-40 that he's a first round pick
0: Okay, because right now, here's how, because I have it up here, Kuiper. It's insider, so if you don't have it, I'm giving away content for what you pay for whatever. Saquon Barkley is a first round to the um, Giants, or who could take a quarterback as well. Then you have um, Rond- Rond- Ronald John- Jones from USC. There's two, there's, I think, what, three running backs in the first round and about as many wide receivers. And so it also, again, it always goes back to who needs what team. Like Detroit needs a running back. That'd be a good fit. We mentioned a couple teams like Raiders could be a good fit for, um, like, Richard Penny. But Raiders pick was somewhat high. So you got like, mm-hmm. yeah, Ronald Jones there, sorry, to Tennessee. You have who's the other guy, yeah, Darius Geis from LSU over to to Detroit. So a handful of running backs, handful of receivers. I could I'd say you could just like the Patriots could be a decent fit for Penny, but probably not for a first round pick.
1: Yeah, I mean for the Patriots, you said.
0: Well I'm just saying they always use a million different running backs.
1: That's true, but they they very rarely draft a running back very high. They don't
0: need to, so I'm just saying if they wanted a the guy who fits what they want to do who could play multiple positions, he can catch the ball, he can return kicks and punts. They want versatile guys like who they got Deion Lewis and a few other guys back there who they seem to rotate in every other year, but I don't know, you got um in Gallup could go to the Eagles, they need a wide receiver, I think. That could be a position they need. But
1: I, I kinda know. hope that I kinda hope that he like falls to day two and the forty ers are able to grab him early on day two. For which player? Michael Gallup.
0: So you have Michael Gallup, Jimmy Garoppolo, and whoever they take running back they'll take in the first round, right?
1: I don't think they're take I don't think they're gonna take a running back at the first round. I think yeah. they're probably happy with Carlos Hyde and Matt Breda.
0: Okay. I heard some people saying like Saquon Barkley. I'm like that's kinda weird, but he won't be there in that Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's what I'm saying that's what I've been hearing and seeing I, one last thing about NFL stuff because I thought this was very interesting I listened to the Around the NFL podcast I think it's pretty funny and entertaining because it's not just some podcasts are boring maybe we are I don't think we are too much but they joke around a bit it's not just like a TV show for a podcast they actually have jokes and chat and are real people so they brought this up a hypothetical nor is bring bring it up because it'll, it could impact Josh Allen and this is not the Alex Smith deal or where Kirk Cousins can go but they brought up an idea which could have a huge impact is that um, Cleveland should trade their first and four to Indianapolis for um, for Andrew Luck. Which would be a huge thing for like Josh Allen perhaps since everybody has them going to the Browns. I know you don't – not not a huge follower of the NFL as much as probably those guys are most – well, you know what I mean. Just, we do college stuff. Would that even intrigue you at all? Like, how would you feel about that with impact, like where Josh Allen could go or anything, or just in general for that trade? Would that be a nuts, so trade to do?
1: If if I were Indianapolis, I would make that trade in a heartbeat.
0: You would? Okay. I would.
1: Because what do we know about Andrew Luck's health at this point? Well, I mean, that's the point. Do we, Cleveland, do we know for sure that he's back to 100%?
0: That's the point on their end, too. If Cleveland's going to do it, they'd want to know they're having a guy who's structurally fine. Because if they have one, three, and four. They, they could take Josh Allen. He could go to Indianapolis at number one. Yeah. I'm saying, what's the last time? Three of the top four picks? That'd just be crazy. I just brought it up because how insane it was. and because oh, yeah. I don't think that would ever happen, but if he's healthy, like, my point about Cleveland, if Josh Allen goes there, because we'll bring it back to him and move on to something else, there's only so many rookies you can have, and who cares if you have 10, to, t- 10 of the first 10 draft picks? are still rookies. You can't have a million draft picks. You actually have talent on your team, like proven talent. And so that's kind of why I brought that up because – they don't need all these picks they have, really. They could leverage these into something. If they can get luck or get – if Kirk Cousins would go there, if they're to pay, him, pay him enough money as a free agent, it's just a way where – how else could Allen go? Not that – I don't care if he goes to Cleveland or not. It, it's a tough go. But you want talent around you, and they don't have talent. But ideally, like with Allen, like if he goes to the Giants, if he goes to – I see the people, some people have him going to Pittsburgh. I see a few places have him going to um, Arizona where – They'll probably get another QB, but there's a few places like maybe even the Chargers, because Philip Rivers isn't going to be there forever. Maybe somehow to the Saints because Drew Brees. I think that would be the best fit, best place for him to go, but or at least best places, I should say.
1: Well, I guess we'll have to keep speculating for the next two months
0: because <sighs> that's what we- we've got the combine coming up next week, so we could. Um, first off, we'll see his actual height and weight again, hand measurements, because if you have big hands, you're a good quarterback. That's what I've heard.
1: Yeah, what I'd like to do is kind of what we did last year and I think the year before that. I what I'd like to do after the Combine is talk about it in terms of mock draftable because I feel like that's a oh, really interesting thing right. to look at.
0: I remember that. We'll definitely do that. So let's move on. Um there's a little bit of news going on in college football for obviously a little bit we'll talk about New Mexico really quick. Again, if you haven't heard of me talk to Dane a little bit, go do it because it's amazing. He's been on top of it over at nmfishball.com. He's been, basically, he's a former political reporter of being a thorn in the side of Lobo's administration. And fans think he's an idiot, which he's not, because he's been 95% accurate on all this. But, look, um, Bob Davy suspended for 30 days. They do have an interim coach. And you know what the most interesting thing I found about Bob Davey, which I didn't know? You know, we give him cr- credit a little bit. Like, oh, he's a defensive coach. He does this. He's basically um, the CEO head coach. So, basically, I was reading through some stuff. Doesn't coach the offensive team or game plan. Doesn't coach the defensive game plan. Some head coaches have a position coach. He doesn't coach a position either. He just sits out there basically to yell loud.
1: So he's basically Herm Edwards before Herm Edwards.
0: Um, I would give Bob Davy a head up because I think Bob Davy can recruit more than Herm Edwards realizing, hey, I got to talk to the parents. I got to convince parents. Do I have to grovel to parents? What is this? (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the worst decision they've ever made, Arizona State. Worst decision ever you can prove me wrong. Or is that correct?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's going to be an adventure, <laughs> It is,
0: but with the logo. So Davey's out They're having a new offense coming in. Um, the main thing I want to talk about, which is kind of a jokingly thing because he can't, as we mentioned that past show, he can't really be fired for cause because of a technicality, which basically means outdated rules, which, yeah. So if you've not heard what he's done, he's basically alleged like, um, sexual assault by players where he sent a team meeting report. Allegedly. I'll say that a million times. Cause it's not, he hasn't, said anything for tr- truth because he hasn't been interviewed. Wanted mm-hmm. to get dirt on the girl to protect the football players. He wants to be in tr- – pull a um, – not to be crude, but, like, the Penn State thing. Well, I'll, the coach will take care of it. He will – the coach will pr- produce – or not produce, but uh, take part in an investigation. Like, does uh, does Bob Davey have time to do an investigation?
1: Does he know how to do an investigation? Well, if he, if he's not coaching, maybe he does.
0: I guess you're right. If he's just yelling at people. If he's people. not directly
1: overseeing <laughs> people, maybe he does have the time to do something like that.
0: Good point. But it's stuff like that. Like, oh, this person's not credible because she's talking smack on a Snapchat video. Or you've heard of stuff like he got in a visible fight with a guy on the sideline who might have had yeah. a concussion. It's a lot of stuff where it's kind of like the Larry Stacey thing. It's like there's this stupid guy on Twitter who's trying to get us in trouble or get me in trouble. He's dumb. I can give him any credit. You know who he is if you followed me on Twitter. But basically, I told, I told this to Eli in the basketball show, and maybe you'll agree or not with me, Matt, but I've I played Division One athletics. Um, I know the difference between being yelled at just because the coach is pissed, or maybe he'll even throw a clipboard across the, like on the ground, like nowhere near the direction of the player, just throw, slam something down. I can get behind that, but I think with Davey and even Eustacia a little bit, it's more directive at you. That is different than just just randomly exhausted. Was, was for water, blob. we'd sometimes go into water. We kind of chuckle and the coach would go crazy. Like just start yelling because it'd be out of the blue. It'd be like, he's blah, 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 blah. And just, are you guys swimming too slow? You're mm-hmm. being lazy. just, it's, we still got an hour off to practice. That's different than me getting in your face, Matt, and saying you're a freaking loser and you're terrible. And I, I think there's a difference, correct? Oh yeah. Cause you can yell and be an effective coach, but you can't kick basketballs toward the guys. Look at the guy at Rutgers. Bob Knight, we've seen a million different things go out, so go out like this. So that's my—I've said a million times—that's thing. That's a fair opinion. You can yell and motivate without having to be intimid- intimidating or directive at those type of players. That's where I think it crosses the line when you're in their face. Like you can even go up and tell a guy like, "Hey, what are you doing?" But you can't just go in his face and swear at him just because. I don't yeah,
1: know. Yeah, I mean, just. And, and just approaching it as like a person-to-person kind of exercise, like yeah. that kind of communication is just really regressive. It's just really toxic. Yeah. And it seems to me like, yeah, maybe it's the kind of thing that works in the short term. You know, maybe maybe that does deserve a little bit of credit. I have no idea or not, but maybe it does deserve a little bit of credit for the, the surge that they had in the wind column the last couple of years. But I feel like that's the kind of thing where – You know, that kind of intensity, that kind of negativity, whatever you want to call it, it's going to burn out its welcome one way or the other. And maybe that's what we're starting to see right now.
0: Well, there's that. And then also, like, I've been in workplaces, like, well, yes, I'll say professional, where there's, like, allegedly professional, supposed to be, where yelling at meetings. I had two guys who I worked with at a radio station, they were not allowed to be near each other. They moved guys' offices across the building so they would not have to cross each other's paths because of how bad it was between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it's like, again, if you're if your motivational tactic is to get mad, that could work sometime, but if you do it all the time, who cares? Like, who's going to listen to you? If your go-to is yelling in somebody's face, you're just going to tune them out, like you said. Nobody's going to pay attention. So Davey just seemed like, but you got to give him credit too. Like, he stood up for the guys who, during the national anthem, got played at halftime. The guys who who kneeled didn't do what you typical most people could typically too typically do, that's fine. He actually got some guy in the area, took away his courtesy car because he wanted, he wanted to kick those guys off the team who kneeled during the anthem. So he does uh-huh. do a few good things, but it just seems like you gotta know when to play that card and you can't just I think with Davey it's worse because he's actually had to change stories and injured a player broke the guy's – or Davy broke his hand got in a fight or covering up alleged rape or sexual assault. And the only reason he got dropped because the girl left town and left school. That's the only reason that case got dropped from the reports. So – but do you think he'll be the coach next year in September? Because I talked to Daniel. He thinks at minimum he'll be the coach for the first month of next year.
1: I mean I tend to be a little bit pessimistic about those kinds of things. So if you ask me now, I would probably say no.
0: That's what I thought too.
1: I feel like it's the kind of thing where, you know, if some of the allegations turn into something more significant than just allegations, you know, to me at a certain point, there's the, the temptation to just kind of rip it off like a band-aid and just move on to the, to the next head coach or something like that. So, you know, while obviously there's a lot of moving parts to this entire story, I do kind of think that in the long run, you know, I would, I, I, with these kinds of things, I tend to take a pretty dim view. So I do think there'll be a new head coach.
0: I think the reason there might not be because the money because they're bleeding money, they've had issues with just money in general because they're any mountain of school essentially where they're not getting the pay equal to even like not even but like even BYU gets about ten million a year They're getting like maybe two. And so if you got a fire coach, you're already having to have money forgiven from the university to athletic program, you're gonna be able to pay Bob maybe three million bucks just to go away. And sometimes you got to think what's the, like the cost benefit. Like, like sometimes you just got to cut your losses, but also kind of a joke I made. They uh, are going to make here as I blow it. <laughs> They're scheduling Texas a and again, $1.6 million school record. Use that toward the buyout. Is that why they signed that game?
1: <laughs> well, okay. So I, j- I wanted to look this up and, the, uh, and someone out there can correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess the buyout is about a three quarters of a million dollars.
0: I thought it was more than that.
1: Well, I'm. I don't. <laughs> I maybe a I'm thinking
0: to look too far into this. Maybe I'm, I'm mixing it up with of, uh, the Stacey's thing. Maybe I'm mixing those two up.
1: Well, I don't. I have no idea how credible this site is, HKM.com, but it does say that the buyout clause requires a 30-day notice and up to $760,000, depending upon the year of resignation. So. Well, could um, make of that what you will.
0: Suspension be start of that. Okay, here we go. I went to USA today. They have as of twelve one seventeen, so this is the most recent. Mm-hmm. Let's see. They have for Bob Davey, come on. 1.75. 1.72 as of twelve one. That's a lot. So, I'm not far off if they get that money from Texas and m <laughs> out, but um uh, for them for a program that needs money and like his salary right now is only that. I guess that means, I guess he's a two years left on his deal. Cause the salary is about eight mm-hmm. base. So it's basically two years, probably three years left because typically you don't get a full amount once you get to that back end. But I don't know if it will be there because it's just unacceptable to do stuff like that. It's like, again, yelling, being aggressive and him like getting in players face to do stuff. But he doesn't coach. Like, honestly, the reason they've been good is Bob. The, um, when they had the guy from what Bob ah, shoot to mm-hmm. it was his offense. That's the reason they were good. You know what I mean? Like that unique offense, nobody ran in the country by a long shot. And that's part of the reason they're successful.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and when you look at exactly what kind of experience they're bringing back this year, and this is, you know, an allusion to something we've talked about in one of the, our prior podcasts as far as returning production, you know, at least by some of the measures used by Bill Connolly over at SB Nation, their returning production ranks in the triple digits. So it's not as though you know, just you know you know biting the bullet and letting him go is gonna be a huge deal because if you can bring in a guy who can you know, maybe they bought him out in, in 2018, but if they can put together one or two decent recruiting classes going forward, you know the the production they have coming back from last year, you know it, isn't necessarily a Bob Davy team anymore. it's not there's not a lot of veterans or anything like that. There are some key players that are returning. But I think on the whole, it's a young team that maybe could benefit from a from a regime change.
0: It could because like the running game took a step back this past year. With the, it's still good, but just not overly amazing like it has been the past couple years. But so maybe and they have a new they have a new quarterback, uh, sort of a new quarterback as we mentioned. But that could be a thing to go. Like if they get rid of Davy, are they going to have to promote within? Because they're not going to find a new coach now. It's not like they're going to pull an Illinois and get Lovey Smith or something.
1: I think they would kind of have to.
0: What, promote from within?
1: I th- yeah, I think that they would. And, and they have Kevin Cosgrove acting as the the interim guy right now. Right? Be
0: yeah, he, the defensive coordinator would take over. And just for reference real quick, Lobos were 12th this past year in recruiting composite from 24-7.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that that would probably be the way to go if they do decide to do that because, you know, he's the guy who's been on the staff for several years now. And you know he's a guy who's been around the coaching ranks for quite a while. So even if it's not, you know, the ideal kind of transition, I think it is something that would work out for both sides, at least in the in the interim.
0: Yeah, and so it's it's an interesting thing. It's um I don't know because they they also have other messes too, like Vladluba's, like AD the stuff with um, Krebs with the mm-hmm. Scotland trip, where mm-hmm. golf are free, or some people to pay. It's like again the dream style deal for the football and basketball arena. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mess going on. There's some things about, I guess, the former president trying to get some job at UCF, and they, some, I forget exactly what it was. I just, just brought it on my mind after thinking of a few tweets. I saw information about what's probably not good to work in Mexico, and we see them needing money from the university. And so, I don't know. We'll see how it works out, but um, I guess let's go ahead. Let's uh, let me mark it here. We'll take a quick timeout because please listen to the next sixty seconds because you'll be our best friends. All right, let's get to uh, kind of early previews. Do we like advanced stats numbers because we're those type of people?
1: Well, I can't speak for anybody else, but I like the advanced numbers. So do I.
0: So here's where we're going to do the rest of the show. Off season, well, some fun stuff. We'll do our March shredness. I guess we got to do that next week, right? Or this week.
1: In in case anybody's wondering, yeah, the the tournament starts on March 1st. So we're going to have to figure out time to do that next week.
0: Today's the 23rd, right?
1: It's the 22nd.
0: We'll figure something out. When, bring... when
1: we're recording, it's the 27th. Yeah,
0: we will. Oh, man, we gotta... we'll gotta. we figure it out. That's no time to do on-air stuff now because I just realized there's only t- – <laughs> I, f- I forget, 28 days in February.
1: <laughs> like February comes at you
0: fast. It does. We'll we'll figure it out, but we'll talk about more Shredness. I'll take out a show, but we'll look ahead. We're going to look at ESPN's FPI and um, SB Nation, Bill Connolly, who's already doing his countdown to 130. So if you're a Boise fan, go check out the Troy preview. Because he's a machine. I don't think he's human, but we'll see. I never had him tested for, or pricked his blood, so I don't know if it's true or not <laughs> 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 to see if the machine bleeds. But, all right, so what, do you, what, what numbers do you like better, FPI or um, S&P Plus? Do you have a preference?
1: I'm not going to lie. I don't know much about ESPN's FPI. Um, I trust s and a little bit more just because – you know as someone who's been buying the football outsiders all the back year after year for nearly a decade now almost you know to me that's the way that I prefer to look at it but it's not to say that ESPN's metric is is totally useless because I think there is something to be said for how simulations can look at something mm-hmm.
0: i also think with SP+, Plus, they he gives you all the info out there. He tells you everything that's being considered. The FPI yeah. It, here's the exact thing. The Football Power, power Index is a major of team strength that is meant meant to be the best predictor of a team's performance going forward for the rest of the year. FPI does 10,000 simulations for projected results. It's updated daily for the remaining schedule. Or Sorry, using sorry, FPI results to date and the remaining schedule. Ratings and projections are updated daily. Obviously, once the season begins, they'll probably or will update after spring with um, transfers, injuries, QB guys. So... It's uh, I don't know they're both they're both fine to use. That's like we say at the drafting you want more info than less info, right? Exactly. And looking at the worst team. Oh, one quick note why I'm skeptical of FPI. ESPN also has a BPI. And when I I, I play a game, if you never if you hear a basketball podcast, it might be your favorite part because it's my favorite. I play guess the BPI with Eli. He's never right. It's so far <laughs> off. No, he's gotten better the past couple. But like there are some that are just super head scratchers like there is one game I think it was remember when Fresno beat Wyoming recently at Wyoming Matt uh, yes I do Fresno because Wyoming's very good at home they call it the Dome of Doom for a reason Eli's like ah as when Wyoming was not before the recent struggles but they were playing quite well after they beat I think Nevada and were, I think yeah I think it's directly after the Nevada game so they were beating a ranked team doing extremely well and so Eli's like 80% Wyoming. Somehow Fresno was like a 68% favorite on the road against Wyoming to one. So they know so something, but but the numbers are weird. So that's why I always give a second I think not give a second eyeball or a second look at the FBI. So does it surprise you San Jose State's last in the FBI? Is that any shock to you whatsoever?
1: I am shocked.
0: You mean you're not no, shocked I'm not, face? I'm not shocked. But you know what's even more shocking? They're not the lowest. S&P Plus does not have San Jose State at the bottom. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Hawaii.
1: No, Hawaii is right above them.
0: No, Hawaii's below. Hawaii's 114 in S&P Plus.
1: Wait a minute. That's not right.
0: I got the link from you, so you better have the right one.
1: Yes. Oh, wait. Never mind. Wait, no. That's not right. Yes. (laughs) It was because I'm looking at it in San Jose State's 129th. They're, like, next to last in the entire Are FBS. you looking at
0: returning production?
1: No, I'm not. Oh, as well. far as returning production is concerned, <laughs> I they apologize. are dead last.
0: I apologize. I'm looking at the five. Ah. You got me. I'm like, this is 2018 February. It's Bill Connolly's five-year ranking. Yes. <laughs> Let me go to the right link here. Sorry about that. Um, so, okay, we don't do we, we don't care about San Jose State, even though we probably should a little bit.
1: I'd well, say- I mean i I still I still have hope for the Spartans. I still think that they have an interesting they have interesting pieces on both sides of the ball. To me, a lot of it, and we'll probably talk about this more as we start getting back into team previews, you know, Jew, later baby. in the off season. Turnovers, turnovers. I think is going to you know avoiding turnovers is going to fuel a lot of the growth that the team is going to make next year.
0: Yeah, they, 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 and Montel Aaron at the quarterback, he, he looks pretty good at times. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how they go. But the, I, sorry, blew us off there. But a couple of things I noticed about the uh, S and P plus again, Fresno's getting disrespected, I think. So let me ask you this. Cause we know, we know what S and P plus contains it. It's like uh returning talent. Um, uh, they have a part of it. I think they're down because the weighted five year average is part of it because mm-hmm. Fresno had what? Two really bad years. A couple of years ago, they had the one, one win season. And what were they the year before? Like five wins or something
1: they were 3 and 9 the year before they were 1 and 11
0: so their 5 year average is 100 which has to be knocking them down because they're sitting at 44 behind Boise State they're sitting at um, 95 in recruiting impact which is i do you know if that includes a 5 year thing or is that current cuz they've been recruiting recently okay well. so
1: so if you don't have the article in front of you um, the recruit I think it's 2016 2017
0: okay or it's
1: 2017 2018 i forget which one that makes up about 25 percent
0: i thought they did good. and to, then returning in production year, right? wasn't his first year recruiting win? Well,
1: i think they ended up ranking third or fourth in the conference the first year okay and then this with this most recent class i think they ended up fifth so it's it's good but it's not great If that makes sense okay But and that makes up about a quarter of the projection, and then the the lion's share actually comes down to returning production. You know that is the the area where you know Fresno State really shines relative to the other two, because you know as we talked about in the prior podcast, they're in the top twenty in that regard. That counts for about half of S and P plus, and then the last share, like you said, goes down to weighted five years, and that is basically the you know the five years. From what, 2017, 16, 15, 14, 13?
0: So it does not include that 11 year, 12 year win or 12 win year Derek Carr anymore? Uh,
1: um, If it's 2013, wait, no, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13. So it would.
0: Oh, okay. Because we talked about on Twitter, you're upset a little bit, we brought up David Fails.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's because I'm still not over that game. You
0: shouldn't be. You should not be. I'm not.
1: I'm not. but but that so that when they talk about recent history they're talking about 2013 to 17 mm-hmm. so with a team like fresno state for instance you know you have the peak of 2013 but then you know it's basically four years of diminishing returns before the turnaround last year so i think that you know that little bit of a boomerang effect hasn't quite caught up with the rankings so while they you know they rank 100th in that regard that might be dragging the overall ranking down a little bit but even so they're they're forty fourth overall in SP Plus, which I don't think is too much of an insult because when you look at the the number of Group of Five teams that are ahead of them, Boise State's at the top. That's really no surprise. Well, Central Florida um,
0: actually seventeen. Yeah. You,
1: well, I mean, as far as Mount, oh, teams, gotcha,
0: okay, gotcha. Yes, Boise
1: State's right there at twenty six. That's not a surprise. They deserve to be there, you know. And then Central Florida's up there, uh, and then I think the only other team, or actually, there's two other teams. There's Florida Atlantic which is just outside the top 30. And then there's Memphis, which is two spots ahead of the Bulldogs. So when you're talking about, you know, top 40 team, you can reframe it to be like, this is a top five group of five team. And I think that that sounds about right.
0: And that's why we said like last week, you or last time we recorded you and me together, we're talking early 20 top twenty five. Like you think Aztecs, Fresno and Boise could be all ranked preseason or at some point or no preseason. I do preseason. You said correct.
1: I do think that there's a possibility, yes.
0: And so the schedule hasn't come out yet because the Mountain West is weird. Um, we'll talk about one quirk of the schedule at the end of the show, but that's supposed to be released sometime in March. I think typically it's been April, but it seems like conference you were saying some about everybody's been moving up to the schedule release. The so Mountain West seems like to be well behind, but we know who's playing and we know Fresno's going to Boise. We know St- who's playing who Boise's playing San Diego state and the blue turf, I believe. Yeah. You got uh who's Fresno's cross games. Is it a uh, Utah state and air force?
1: No, they're um, same as last year. Uh, away against Boise, home. Oh yeah, Boise dying. I just
0: said Boise. Never mind. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah. So okay, let me ask you this because we'll get to F- 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 FPI, but who would you say is the most underrated team in F- F- S&P Plus?
1: So now I got to think about this for a minute because
0: I got my I answer. Feel right like it,
1: I got it right. I feel front, like there's. I feel like there's a compelling argument to say that maybe San Diego State's a little bit underrated like they are losing some significant pieces which could make or break the team you know the the union tribune recently noted that you know one of the big things they'll have to work out in the spring is replacing two people in their secondary and that's easier said than done they did it once but to do it again is you know a whole other feat
0: yeah but they got a freshman all american stepping in again come on
1: Another one, though?
0: No, no. I mean, the current from the past year was it? Um...
1: Yeah, so that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, can they can they find another Tariq Thompson? So, I mean, I feel like there's an argument to be made that maybe the Aztecs, even though they're third overall, maybe a little bit underrated. But I also kind of wonder about UNLV okay. because you know, because in the same way that we just talked about with San San Jose State, obviously the Rebels are ahead. Of, of where the Spartans are in their rebuilding process. They're probably on the cusp of bowl contention. They have a young quarterback who we, we've we seen, you know, what he can do in flashes. And there was a little bit of inconsistency in his first year as a starter. But even though they're losing Devontae Boyd, they do have a young and talented, you know, offense at the skill positions around him. They do have a steady offensive line in front of them. And if the defense can take a step forward, I feel like they definitely will, you know, you know, obviously playing USC in non-conference play mm-hmm. is kind of a non-starter but you know if they can rack up some early wins I think that they could definitely beat their preseason projection which right now is 105th
0: I think they could too I think the big game non-conference is at Arkansas State yes because UTEP has a new coach they're pretty down for again this year they should sh- again emphasis on should air quotes bold italicized underlined should beat Prairie View and m but again Howard happened last year. But I think at Arkansas State, they're about top three Sunbelt team probably. They've been pretty good. Um remember Brian Harson is there, Hugh Freeze, all these guys were winning conference titles there at Arkansas State and Sunbelt. So they're still a team that can do something. So my team, it's gonna be here's my bandwagon team. My underdog team's Nevada. I'm doing I'm all in and on Nevada being the underdog team. Remember, right. I picked them to pick be the non Aztec Bulldog West Division stupid upset pick uh, contender. This is true. And all you got to do, I guess it's not easier said than dead, but get that defense a bit better. But man, just let the offense rip it. Find a decent running game. They have a two, Viatal's younger brother or cousin or something come into the team as a running back. Or yeah. Ta, is it Tuatau? Uh Toa Tua, I believe. Toa Tua, sorry, backwards. But that's my team because at the end of the year, like we talked about it last week, last time we did our early preview stuff, a different angle on it. They put up points. They put scares in all these teams. I'd say Nevada is going to be vastly underrated.
1: I think a lot of it is going to depend on how well they start the season because, you know, we, we saw the defense make a little bit of progress, but I think that it's fair to say that that's the big question going into spring ball is can the defense continue to progress in their first year in the 3-3-5? But, you know, if you want to look at opponents, S P p Plus, for instance – you know, beating Oregon is going to be a really tall task. Oregon yeah. State,
0: actually. Oregon State. Oh,
1: is it? Is it Oregon State? At
0: home, Oregon State.
1: Oh, I was looking, very at, 20, winnable. I was looking at 2019. Oh, Excuse me.
0: <laughs> hey, 4-0. I'm calling it 4-0 non-league play. They're going to be they're
1: 4-0. So you think they're going to beat Toledo?
0: They don't have Logan Woodside anymore.
1: They still have a very good team. They're top 50 as just, far as s and not.
0: I would not be surprised. Let me put it that way.
1: I mean, I think that there's definitely a couple of coin flips because I think that the the offense has a chance to be really potent. But, you know, Vanderbilt, for instance, you know, they they don't blow anybody away with what they do in the SEC. But they did have a pretty good defense last year, which I think would be I think when all is said and done, it'll probably end up making for a really interesting matchup of contrast to styles. But yeah, you're you're definitely right. They're gonna have to win in one of those two games on the road, either Vanderbilt or Toledo to really you know build some momentum and beat that ranking.
0: Yeah, I just I would like I could those are swing games. Toledo not because of the road games, but they're still good teams. But yeah, I think the two and two is reasonable. But I honestly I'm not just saying this just to butter up Wolfpack fans, but I don't like the way their offense played, why can't they? Before if their defense is just it's like we said with New Mexico a couple years ago or maybe even last year. If the defense could be just okay, their offense could do the rest. Is there a team that, or do you have one more thing to add on that?
1: Well, and let's not. Road to Northwestern and beat the Wilds. Yeah. And so, you know, that was when you know the offense was a little more earlier in the year. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could go on the road and beat someone.
0: We'll see. Is there a team? Let's go the other way. Like, is Air Force way too low for you, or is Hawaii too high? Now they don't have Drew Brown. Is Oklahoma State? Any of those make any difference? I kind of have you? some
1: serious questions about Hawaii.
0: Like, are they going to be Mountain West because... in
1: two years? <laughs> no, yeah, they're going <laughs> to. Let's, let's not get into that.
0: <laughs> sorry, Keith. sorry. But, guys.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're repl- they're replacing their quarterback. They're replacing their running back. They are replacing their top defender in the secondary you know they're replacing a couple of critical pieces along the defensive line and obviously a lot of that will probably get sorted out in the spring ball but at this point it seems kind of worrisome that what looked like a very potent offense two years ago now has a serious amount of questions
0: it's i, I just because we quarterback i don't know who's going to be like you said and, and they also lost the receiver dylan collie and will john asura be healthy from his acl so there's like a thousand questions.
1: Um, exactly.
0: I think it's too early to tell what they'll do. I just losing Drew Brown. who was re- reasonably good, and honestly, when he goes to Oklahoma State, he could win the starting job and be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. Because we've seen him be very good with Hawaii. When he like John Ursula, like that's as good as having like when Oklahoma State had James Washington last year. That's that type of talent. Not that obviously Washington's gone to the NFL, but. If he finds a good go-to guy in that offense, he could be a threat. Like when Boise plays Oklahoma State, that could be an interesting game when they team up, meet well, up this year.
1: And even if, you know, the quarterback situation takes a little while to get sorted out, I think one of the things that Warrior fans can be encouraged by is, you know, they end up finishing in the middle of the pack as far as, you know, uh, 2018 recruiting. And among – their big gets was you know a couple of three-star receivers. So maybe one of those two guys, whether it's Jonah Pinoke or Michael Washington, maybe if they can sneak in and carve themselves out a little bit of a role, that can make whoever ends up under center their life a little bit easier. I'm not totally sure whether Nick Rolovich would go in that direction. But I know that at the end of last year, I was kind of wondering, okay, well, who on the outside is going to catch passes? And maybe that influx of new young talent Is the answer that they need?
0: Okay, all right. Let's um, let's move the ESPN's FPI really quick. They actually have win loss predictions, which is interesting. I should look at this more, but they have. um, Here's real quick for those playing at home: forty-one Boise, fifty-one Fresno or San Diego State. Excuse me, fifty-one San Diego State, sixty Fresno. They have three teams with double-digit victories: Boise eleven, San San Diego State ten, Fresno ten and four. I guess. Conference title. I, I guess they're assuming Fresno to win the win the division.
1: Yeah, are they though? Because the Aztecs are ahead of them.
0: Well, no, but the fourteen games.
1: Oh yeah, that's true.
0: And they have Boise as the conference champ, which not shock, but three loss. Like if you're looking at Boise State, what are the three losses?
1: That's an excellent question. I don't, <laughs> I don't have their schedule in front of me right now. I have it right here. They have. Oklahoma, um,
0: remember the Oklahoma State game. You can't forget that. They. Um, we don't have the exact schedule, obviously, because league games. But we know non-conference. They host BYU. They should be always nothing special this year. They're still having issues, I guess. At Oklahoma State and what losing? Would they really lose to Fresno at home? I guess losing to Fresno and San Diego State.
1: And I mean, I guess if I had to, if I had to choose, you know that that game against Fresno is likely to be a slugfest, one way or the other. Yeah, but um, I mean, because they do get the Aztecs at home too. So it's not as though the road to the championship game is going to be all that easy.
0: Sure.
1: Um But yeah, I mean at first glance, you know, if you're t- if you're if you're saying three losses, it's kinda of hard to pick three.
0: Those would be my three, though. Fresno, Aztecs, and at Oklahoma State.
1: But I wouldn't feel overwhelmingly confident in any of those.
0: No, I get your point. I, yeah, yeah. Either way, they can go either way. It's, yeah. it's just kind of interesting. Looking through I'm kind of surprised um, – what do we what do we make of Utah State? Because <laughs> they're sitting at 85. Are they the team – like, mm-hmm. they made a bowl game last year. They almost won. I, I get – I'll probably say it's all off offseason. I have no clue what to expect from them. I have – my expectations are basically whatever. If they go 10-2, I wouldn't be – I'd be mildly surprised. If they go 2-10, and 10, I'd be mildly surprised.
1: Well, they don't – they don't return quite the same amount of talent – or they're quite the same amount of production, rather – that you know a team like Boise or Fresno State does, but they do rank above the FBS average in that regard. And one of the things I noticed in an article, I think it's from uh it's from HJ News. What is that?
0: Herald Journal News. It's our friend
1: Jason, yeah, from our from our compadre uh, Jason Turner.
0: Local, yeah, he mentioned board. that they have
1: eighteen, yeah, they have eighteen starters coming back, and that they had thirty-seven different guys play. At least, or start at least one game for the Aggies in the past. So, you know, if it was a little bit uneven last year, I don't think that that was necessarily, you know, I don't know that this necessarily leads to a message of doom and gloom, if that makes sense. Because maybe they have their quarterback situation figured out. Jordan Love is obviously going to be the the front runner for the starting job, and all of a sudden they have some a nice collection of talent around him. They do have Dax Raymond who now that Jake Rowe is gone, might be the best tight end in the conference. They still have Ron Quavian Tarver. They have a couple of younger guys like Gerald Bright and Jordan Nathan who came on strong at the end of last year. And they have a defense where even if there's no real household names, you know they have a lot of solid contributors coming back. And if they can grow together as a veteran defense, they could make some noise.
0: They obviously could. It's just that the past couple of years I've just been whatever emoji because it's i get the quarterback's been weird issues been weird they lose jalen davis like you said the other guys are coming back and losing but i don't know they're just a team i'm not gonna be surprised either way so one thing we forgot to mention fresno state loses a key coach to the cfl is that what's up with that
1: they're losing him back to the CFL.
0: okay back to the cfl
1: which is even weirder (laughs) so that never happens to anybody I mean, we know all about the fact that, you know, a lot of group of five teams, yeah, a coach is there for one year and then he's on to a Power Five program. I have never seen, and you can correct me on this, but I've never seen someone come from the CFL to take a coordinator position and then go back to the CFL.
0: To be the assistant head coach.
1: I'm pretty sure that's never happened anywhere ever.
0: Um, How's it going to impact Fresno State?
1: That's an excellent question because – On the one hand, they have a tremendous amount of talent coming back on the defensive side of the ball. So it's not as though that's going to be the problem. To me, I think it's a matter of finding some kind of continuity. Um, Because obviously making the switch to the 4-3 worked wonders for the talent that they had on hand. And I think that they're probably going to want to find someone who can run that similar kind of, of defense. And, you know, some of the names I've been seeing so far are kind of the names that you'd expect if you're a Fresno State guy. Um, you know, J.D. Williams is one guy. Um, Tim Skipper is another guy. Corey Hall, who was most recently Oregon State. All former Fresno State guys, as you, as you might suspect. But, you know, Tedford went a little bit outside of the box in, to bring Steinauer in. So it'll be interesting to see if he makes use of one of his kind of you know, not necessarily a Valley connections, but a, one of the connections that he's made elsewhere, whether it was at Washington or or Cal or up in Canada or. Well,
0: he already had it, but he had a guy from Canada. That was Orlando. Orlando. Well, maybe maybe he knows another guy in Canada. Maybe Orlando Steiner. Yeah, he's a. It's just weird. Like assistant head coach. Like, is he really getting more pay? Is it pay issue? Is it? I don't know. What's what's weird.
1: Well, one thing I I came across. Um, and I'm, I closed the tab for whatever reason. But the interesting website called Three Down Nation. <laughs> okay. Good find. With, uh, which I, I assume is all about the CFL. But one of the things that they mentioned was the fact that, you know, the guy who's up there now, June Jones.
0: <laughs> June Jones.
1: And, and it's funny because um, when I was – when I saw the news earlier, Um. I was, I exclaimed a little bit of a surprise. And then someone replied, June Jones loves to screw Fresno State. And I wish I had <laughs> thought of that before someone else had. But, but, you know, June Jones, I think, is in his mid 60s. And, you know, Steinhauer's just still relatively young. He's 44 years old. And what the article, and I'll, I'll just throw it out there, it's a from someone named Drew Edwards. You know, his family's still up there. You know, his family grew up there. Um, He's not the defensive coordinator anymore. Apparently Jerry Glanville is the defensive coordinator in Hamilton.
0: Jerry Glanville? Jeez, who are these guys they bring into Canada?
1: Or that or that he will be the defensive coordinator up there. But huh. but Steinauer is not the defensive coordinator the way that he was before. He's the assistant head coach. So maybe it is the, a situation where he's the heir apparent to take over up there. It's a place that he likes. It's a place that he's comfortable in. It's a place that his family likes. So it's really hard to kind of fault him for that.
0: Here's a quick um, speculation. I've went, I found the article from this, a commenter. Should I give him a shout-out? Quint is her name on the comment board over there. Because the, um, um, his salary at Fresno was about about three ten. So their speculation salary will mm-hmm. be on par with the CFL head coach, which is just above 400 I see that's American. I don't know. It's a Canadian website, so we'll see. But yeah, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, but 100000 increase and guaranteed to be next head coach for the Thai Cats. And yeah. as, it mentioned something to do with his family, and so you mentioned that. So it's maybe it's just a family thing, and it's a good job. You'd be head coach. If you're making half a million almost a year to be a CFL head coach, why not?
1: I think what just made me the most is the fact that, like, every single Ticats Ty- Ty fan who was responding to the announcement mm-hmm. overwhelmingly stoked. And so I was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I don't know. It's like, whoa, look at CFL Go we actually lured somebody away from a Division one program back to Canada. Interesting. Okay. These, these are nice comments. I like these. Maybe I'll check out this mm-hmm. site more often. Did you notice the CFL is a negotiation list? Did you see that float I, floating on Twitter I the other no day? I have no idea what that is. Somebody from, maybe it was guys from ESPN 99 in Boise. I think it was tweeted out because I guess each team can negotiate, have 10 players on a negotiation list. And one included Brett Rippon. Huh. And one actually also included, there's like four Mountless players. The other one I saw, Brian Hill, who I think is on the practice squad with the Bengals. So they got drafted by the Falcons. It's just weird, like, okay, negotiation list? What does that mean? I guess it's the Americans you can have. I don't know, because I know there's a limit of U.S. players. Like, if you go to any foreign league, you can only have a couple American or non-foreign players or something. Mm. But, I don't know. That's a, So, you, you just think they're going to promote from within? Does that seem most likely?
1: That, that's a – I mean, I'm not totally sure. You know, like I said, a lot of the names have been bandied about our former Fresno State guys. I'm not sure who they would promote from within, off the top of my head.
0: We'll see, because he could also get that 10th head assistant coach. So, And also, who would they get unless they lure somebody from a position coach or something? But it's, uh, it's just well, odd timing, the, too. Odd like timing. I said, they
1: mentioned Tim Skipper. Maybe they give Tim Skipper the Zach Hill treatment.
0: Is DeRuiter available? He's over at Cal, right? Can he come back up north or down south? I,
1: I think he's probably a little too expensive and a little too not well-liked.
0: You can say hate it. It's okay.
1: He's not well-liked.
0: Okay, okay, I'll let you leave it well-liked. Uh, I think we're good. We've gone an hour. I don't think there's anything else we should mention. Oh, one thing we should mention super quick. Um, how do you feel about Week Zero Conference football, Matt?
1: Pro. It means more football sooner.
0: Hawaii, uh, well, reportedly by uh, the Hawaii Star Advertiser, Hawaii's moving a game to face CSU on the mainland August 25th to give Hawaii a bye week. Similar to what CSU did last year, so they didn't have to play... 13-13, and 13, and they moved the Oregon State game up a couple weeks. So why not? So, so, I, think yeah, I, I, I am totally ready. That gives an extra game of week zero because you have Wyoming playing as well. I think it gives us I, – I bet there could be one or two more that switch maybe because that seemed to happen late. Like there's those international games. But there's at least, I think, three or four games at the moment. So more football and more eyeballs and a league game. That's got to be something, right? That's got to be a, a few more eyeballs to pay attention to Fort Collins.
1: Well how do you think Hawaii feels that they don't have to travel halfway around the world to open a season anymore?
0: I don't know, Australia's a pretty good place to go to. But I guess you're in Hawaii, so what's the deal, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> you're
0: already there. And one thing I noted, like some people I think is underdog dynasty guys over there, like, hey, Navy travels X amount of miles. I'm like, Well, if you take away that Hawaii road trip, it's not as impressive as you make it seem. But it's still a lot of miles. <laughs>
1: Cause they, I kind of wonder when the last time Hawaii didn't lead the FBS and miles traveled.
0: I probably can answer it for you. There were some game BYU at one point. Yes. I'll bring BYU into the discussion. They played a game in Japan and I, uh, I and I think uh-huh. it was not there because there's been a few Japanese games. Maybe that's something we should look into. That may take a while. I don't know how we do that, but that'd take a long time, but there's been a few college football games in Japan. So I'm betting, I think uh, I'm going to look it up real quick. I think they played in the eighties. But I betting include one of those teams who played in Japan. That would probably make the most sense, right? That's a non-West Coast yeah. team. Gotcha. So maybe we'll look into that a little bit later. But I think it's a good place to end, to end when we're talking Japanese football. Unless you have any, um, any last-second things to add? Are we good?
1: I think we're good to go.
0: Hold on. Wait, wait. Did you know? I, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole for a minute here just with us as we finish the show out here. The very first international college football game, Harvard versus McGill, played in Canada,
1: 1874. I did
0: not know that. Montreal, Canada. Let's see. They got the Cuba games. Um, That could be something. Tulane went to Cuba. Mississippi A&M went to Havana as well in 1912, before the embargo, I believe. Um, Trying to see Canada, Canada. A lot of Cuba games. Ole Miss went to Cuba. That's not too far, though, really. Uh, Villanova to Cuba. That's a decent travel. Let's see, hold on, where's Japan? Wait, whoa, whoa, hold on. Oh, dang, it's like a D2 school. There's a game in West Berlin, Germany.
1: Interesting.
0: In technically West Germany, not even Germany. You have game, It's all Texas A&I, whoever yep. that is. Texas A&I and Henderson State, I, this is very interesting. They played, <laughs> this needs to be some sort of, something needs to be done about this. June 1st, 1976, June 5th, 1976, June 12th, 1976, two other games in 1976 in June, Texas A&I played Henderson State five times, West Berlin, Vienna, uh, Mannheim, Nuremberg, and Paris.
1: Just FYI, Texas (laughs) A&I is now known as Texas A&M Kingsville.
0: Oh, I know exactly where that is. That's the NAIA school.
1: Because I just Google searched Texas A&I, and that's what came up, so there you go.
0: I'm going to, okay. I think the,
1: the javelinas, I wonder if they were known as the javelinas back then. That would have been wild.
0: Did you know Utah? This is fun. Utah state, Idaho state played in Japan.
1: That's fascinating. Okay, I, I We got to get Ryan to write an article about that. We
0: need to talk to Ryan Swanson. Okay. Here's, here's the BYU L V <laughs> This is, this is insane. Okay. I think I have an answer for us here who probably traveled the most. We had, there's an army Montana game in Japan. What the heck is up in Japan in the eighties? So I think I found our, our contenders temple and boston college played in tokyo Mm. miami of florida played notre dame in tokyo okay so i can see that i need that 1979 miami football team could have some serious travel independent miami team not big east miami so i think we're done this is uh, way farther down we want to talk to about this stuff but you're welcome right that's what you get
1: Thank you for listening to Mountain West Wire, your number one international college football podcast.
0: Reddit CFB and be proud.
1: <laughs> You're never going to get this information anywhere else.
0: Nowhere else but
1: this, thanks- is, this <laughs> is why you love us.
0: This is why you listen to our 65 in February talking college football. So thanks for joining. We obviously appreciate it. If you can give us the um, if you listen to the end, put in um I guess we don't have comments on our site, but go to our Facebook page and Mountain West Wire. Give us a comment of your favorite um, game we mentioned internationally if you listen to the end. That'd be interesting to see who actually did not abandon the podcast at hour 42 or something, or minute 42. But that's it for us. MWR.com is our website. iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, anywhere you can purchase good podcasts, that's where we're at. And we'll be back next week with uh, some sort of football podcast. And, yeah, later, folks.